The autumn wind is a pirate. Well, 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 welcome Raider Nation back to the Raider Nation podcast. I'm your host, Raider Craig, back up here in the house. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> Callahan's a fink. Uh, Timmy Brown going off. Jerry Rice comments Romanowski. He has a bunch going down in the Raider Nation. We're hitting the air just in time here on show 367. Well, first of all, Raider fans, I'd just like to say uh, thanks, Randy, for coming back. <laughs> you got to be tough. Uh, he's come back early. His elbow is doing much better post-surgery. And here we go right into the offseason, into the draft. Uh, right now, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about on this show. All right. Raider Nation, on today's show, we will have Super Bowl 37. Why? <laughs> Why are we talking about it? Well, it's the hot topic of the day. We got to talk about Timmy Brown's explosion on the scene. Actually, happened last year. We're gonna hit on that. Also, <laughs> Teo, Teo, Monte Teo catches a big old lunkin catfish. That's right. <laughs> Monte Teo's catfish story continues to be intriguing. Yet, well, pretty stupid actually. Then, of course, we are going to hit on our new coaching staff, uh, Greg Olson. Uh, kind of kind of scary that his name is Greg to begin with. Uh, and Olson, uh, well, we're going to hit on him, find out about him. Also, a great hire, Bobby April. Goodness gracious. That's the kind of hire I'm talking about. High profile, exhibited excellence, winning ways. That's the kind of coach we need here, folks. Okay, it's that and the bone line, so let us get to it. Teo, Teo, Teo's full of crap, he's got to stay home. <laughs> we don't want no Teo, what's up? Daylight come and me wango Work all night and a drink a rum Monte Teo shoots himself in both feet by coming up with one of the biggest catfish stories in history so far. You guys know what the catfish is? Yes, that's the person on the internet who pretends to be somebody else, and you are the fool who believes that crap and doesn't get the Skype, doesn't get it for sure, doesn't know for sure whether you're talking to the right person or not. Yes, you could be a man talking to a woman who's really a man, or a man talking to another man that you just never know, because that's why it's catfish. It's deep in the mud, and you know what? It's hard to figure out how this young, very intelligent, super athletic linebacker from Notre Dame got hooked up with catfish. <laughs> First, my opinion. 
That's some best shit for sure. He played the harps of the dead girlfriend right up to, of course, the Heisman Trophy decision. And the fact that he did that was unconscionable. Come on, man. Everybody of his teammates knew he was full of shit. And yes, he was. And we don't want to hurt his feelings, of course, because you know someone could get very emotional just before the draft, but he shot himself in both feet. Come on, man. He knew days before he got interviewed at the uh, Heisman Trophy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, my, <laughs> my girlfriend. Please, brother. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. Bizarre. Yeah, the press gets a definite kick in the teeth, too, because they didn't do their due diligence. They sure go off the Raiders the same way. All bullshit and no facts. But hey, Teo, I'm sorry, man. Instead of passing the mayo, we got to pass on this Teo. We cannot have any more emotional cripples on this team. We can't have it. I don't want it. I hope they skip over this guy. Uh, He's supposed to go in the first round, but I hope this clown does not end up in Oakland. Absolutely unbelievable. I am sure that his agent has had to take a lot of stool. Um, what is that stuff called? Yes, K.O. Pectate. That's right, because he's got to be crapping in his pants from the first inkling of this bullshit. And strictly the fact that he has to have counseling and all these people around him to help him decide which direction to go after this is a confirmation that this entire thing was just a bunch of bullshit. And by the way, he was fully exposed by Alabama in uh, the BCS championship game. The guy's not that good. We don't need him. And that is all I have to say about that. If you're new to the show, we do this thing called the Truth Machine, because let's be honest. As we found out this week, Lance Armstrong, Man, Titeo, and the list goes on and on, people in sports don't always tell the truth, Pop. Did hmm. you know that? I, I'm, I'm learning that, Jen. <laughs> it wasn't just this week, and but it's this not a, just sports. But, it's, but specifically, this week was pretty full of lies, was it not? Th- this could be the greatest truth machine of all time. It's very possible. There's a lot of pressure on the truth machine to deliver. Absolutely. When the sports world speaks, give 110%. The truth machine tells you what they're really saying. Right now on the wheelhouse on 95.7 The Game. And finally, the one you've been waiting for. Manti Teo. This is the one. Faith is believing in something that you most likely can't see, but you believe to be true. You feel in your heart and in your soul that it's true. You still take that leap. She is just that person that I turn to. Possibly the most beautiful girl I've ever met. Not because of her physical beauty, but the beauty of her character and who she is. <laughs> Not because of her did physical beauty. Did he say beauty. the most beautiful girl I've ever met? <laughs> yeah, he did. Not because of her physical beauty. Well, that's good. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Faith is believing in something that you most likely can't see. <laughs> good point. Here is a Manti through the truth machine. Oh, what a tangled one. Oh, wait a minute. We, we we hit the wrong button. That's actually his girlfriend. Hang on a second. That's not the right one. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll be here all week. Very Enjoy good, the yeah. deal.
All right. We got the exclusive interview <laughs> yeah. with his girlfriend? Yeah, sorry, we had the interview with his girlfriend there. Sorry about that. Here is actually Manti Teo through the <laughs> truth machine. My girlfriend was real to me. She was beautiful, like a unicorn. I felt her presence, just never her boobies. She touched my soul, just never my d I brought the pressure, I just never got the sack. I encroached on her heart, just never on her neutral zone. I ordered the sandwich, just never smelled the tuna. Oh, oh that's how it's going to end. Whoa. That's how it's going to That's a little end. too much truthfulness, Manta. That was way too Whoa. truthful. Whoa. She and touched my soul. Just <laughs> never my d Oh, man, this kid. I feel really bad for this kid. I feel bad for the truth machine. We should put the truth machine through the truth machine. Never smelled the tuna. Oh, man. All right, we're on the countdown to Super Bowl 37. Wait, hey, it's, it's Super Bowl 47. Wait. Oh, do we have to talk about Super Bowl 37? Come on, man. They probably won't play this on the radio station, but they'll play it all day in the Raider Nation. I'm Mr. Slopane, a Raider for life. It feels good to be a Raider. Ask that fool Jerry Rice. We do the wrong one. From city to city, we do the wrong one. Straight 51, 50. We do the wrong one. So, Raider Nation, as I get up this morning and I flip on the local news channel, I see it, but I don't even want to listen to it. Here we go, having to relive the nightmare that was Super Bowl 37, or better described as Stuper Bowl 37. Look, bottom line, we lost. We must all move on and stop talking about this game. It was a myriad of a joke from the beginning to end. The bizarre uh, selling, really, of our coach, uh, Gruden, to a team that was a powerhouse defense already was incredibly unbelievable. Uh, at the time, people were saying it was a great, great deal by Davis. He got... $8 million and two draft picks or three, whatever it was. The Raiders were doing pretty damn good on their way to a Super Bowl berth. We were already on our way there, and that put the bat to the pinata, and it was over. Look, man, our team has had issues. Callahan was an iffy kind of coach. Now there's a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff coming out 10 years later. Come on, the game's over. Jerry Rice substantiates Tim Brown. Romanowski thinks it's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy doesn't think it went down that way. Hey, listen, we lost the game. Barrett Robbins went south, and I mean way south, <laughs> south of the border, uh, partying like a rock star, and that took out our offense, man. Rich Gannon couldn't get any snaps from a long snapper who was incidentally not the right size for the type of running game we were using at the time which was pretty terrific. Now, I say all that Tim Brown said, well, we'll listen to what Tim Brown has to say. What do you have to say, Randy? 
Both you guys were on the 2002 Raiders team. I want to play a couple of these cuts for the people who did not hear them. Tim Brown was on with the Rise Guys today, uh, reiterating what he said on his uh, satellite radio show uh, over the weekend, talking about the 2002 Raiders and uh, claiming that uh, Bill Callahan might have possibly sabotaged the game by changing the game plan. Here's Tim Brown, first on the Rise Guys, talking about the guys talking about it after the game. After that game, were the guys talking about sabotage? Absolutely. We knew how much he loved Gruden. We knew how much he hated the Raiders. We knew the fact that he had walked off the field on us a couple of times. So we knew that there was no love with him and the Raider organization. What do you make of that? Oh, my God. Is he smoking something? This guy has absolutely gone off the deep end. This is a smart man. Tim Brown's a smart guy. I've, hey, I've always liked Timmy. Smart guy, articulate, great teammate. He couldn't be so much further from the truth right now. I call him a bold-faced liar to his face. Well, l- let me say this. All right. They used the word sabotage. He hated the Raiders. Those are strong words. He's essentially saying he threw the Super Bowl, that's, isn't he? That's a, str- yeah, yes. for that's a, a strong word. He, now, I would say this. There's merit to what he's saying in the sense that he did change the game plan. We still had opportunities, but he did change the game. I, I've never heard of a coach change a game plan. I don't know if it's Friday, Saturday. I don't really remember. But it, even at the end of the day, you don't do that to your team. But to use the words that he used, I think, <clears throat> are just way off base for Timmy. I love Timmy's a great guy, good football player, could be in the Hall of Fame. But to use those words for Bill Callahan saying he threw the game because he was friends with Gruden and he hated the Raiders, I think it was just crazy to say that. So on a game plan. A game plan front, NFC Championship game, my sixth year in San Francisco, and we're going to Dallas to play in the game, and George Seifert completely changed our defensive game plan on Friday. We got our asses handed to us in that game and had a lot to do with what George did. Mm -hmm. Hey, coaches dream up stuff. Sometimes they get these crazy Things come to them, you know, when they're delusional with fatigue in the middle of the night, they have to all of a sudden. You're overthinking it. They start overthinking it when you got to go out there and be, you got to let the guys be able to not think and go out there and play and execute. I said what I said. I mean, I, I can't. It's, it's, I'm just, I think it's crazy for Tim to use the word sabotage. I mean, that's, that's, that's a hard, well, how about, harsh, a hard hey, word. L- let's go one step further. You hear what he said, all you guys, that he hated the Raiders and he loved John Gruden. So basically, you, so he's saying... He said it about Callahan. Yeah, he's saying that he wanted John to win. And he this is his legacy. His coaching legacy is at stake on multiple fronts, and he's got a chance to plan himself in history as one of very few men that get to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. He's wrong. Sabotage is a, he should not have said that. He's right in a sense he did change the game plan. All right, that's, can, that's can we I just have an uh, intellectual football discussion about the change of the game plan a decade later? I know it's hard to remember. Yeah. But <clears> the Raiders in 2002 were a passing team. Rich was going to break Dan Marino's record for most passing yards that year. They had gotten away from the 2000 group that led the league in rushing. They were a passing team. Barrett Robbins was the most well-rounded center in pro football. He could run you to death. He could pass at you to death. 
Adam True was a tall, angular center who did not have the girth to run block as well. Uh, hold on. I, I understand changing the game. These, these were extenuating circumstances. Your Pro Bowl center just went AWOL. You show up for a meeting on Saturday morning. He's not there. So we're thinking, let's just get back to being who we are. We know what Tampa's strength are, but we are. We just beat Tennessee and laid almost 50 on those guys. We can pass it on anybody. So you could almost understand from a football standpoint why Callahan would do that. I mean, it's not out of the realm of discussion that he would change the game plan because his center just went AWOL on him. Well, let me give a hypothetical, which I gave to you a little while ago. Game starts. We're up 3 nothing, right? Yeah. We're up 3 nothing after yeah. Woods interception. Yeah. All right. Barrett Robin gets hurt. During the game, True has to come in. Do we go to the silent at that point and go, we got to change the game plan. True's in. Barrett Robin's not there. We're going to throw the ball now. You wouldn't do that during during the game. So I'll, all I'm saying is that normally, normally, NFL coaches will not change the game plan going into a championship game, a Super Bowl game like that. Really, any honestly, a regular season game. They just won't normally do that. I understand what happened with Bear and all that, but normally in a game situation, you wouldn't do it. So you shouldn't do it the day before. That's all I'm saying. Well, number one, you know, he was saying, as we talked about, Greg, he was saying that he did it on Friday. Barrett was at practice on Friday. Okay. So if he did it, he did it on Saturday. Correct. Otherwise. Yeah, I don't remember if it was, if it was Friday. So I have no idea. Yeah. So, but that is a big deal because Barrett was there Friday. But you the know first what? time you knew he was gone and maybe he's was Saturday too. morning when he wasn't there. Maybe he's thinking too. I've got a veteran offense. I've got a, you know, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league that could handle this, and a lot of that is going to be put on him to handle. And then the other guys just need to go out and do their thing. He didn't show up. He was. He missed Saturday. He went AWOL he Friday Saturday. night. Yeah. He, I, he's saying, but the Timmy's reason- saying he changed it on Friday. Timmy's implying that part of the reason yeah. Barrett went AWOL was the change in game plan, which to me no, is so God. far from the no. truth. And I don't know. The things that happened with Barrett Robbins is not dealing with football. It was a it was a personal issue. Either Barrett Robbins did what he did, or maybe somebody would have gotten in a lot of trouble otherwise. So let's just leave it at that. I understand we all disagree with the words Timmy used. And saying that this guy threw the game, basically, we all just everybody across the country disagrees with that one. Well, the one fact is, yes, he changed the game plan. So on Friday or let's Saturday, go one whatever. Step further, what's all Timmy's right. motive? I don't know. That's Ten what years I, later, what's his motive to do this? Is he trying to be relevant on keep his name know, out that's there? Not help him Super Bowl the fame is Hall of Fame is five days. But from I, now. I think what happened was over time. Timmy began to really have a problem with Callahan when they changed the offense the next the year, next went year. more vertical, and that's not Tim's strength. Uh, and he's, I think he thinks that's a big reason why he got ushered out and Tim went well, to Tampa. Everybody got ushered out. Well, eventually. Yeah. The team was old. old. <laughs> got real old everybody real fast. Ten years ago, would you welcome back to 95.7 the game, Lincoln Kennedy. How you doing today, Lincoln? Wonderful, guys. Thanks for having me join you. What's up? Oh, yeah, we appreciate your time very much. We were just wondering. I remember that Super Bowl. That was especially significant for you, that Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a homecoming for you, right, because you were back in San Diego. Yeah, it was a homecoming. And, and you know, looking back on it, and, you know, I guess we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of it. It's, it was arguably the absolute worst game I've played as a whole. My worst game was the biggest game. Isn't that ironic? Uh, I gave up more sacks. I gave up two sacks in that game. That's the more I've ever given up in a single game in my entire career. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it's 
I'm hearing these stories about what, what Tim Brown has said. And, you know, let me preface this. Tim and I go back a long way. I still value him. I think of him as a good friend. I was trying to play over the scenario over and over my head, guys. I just can't wrap my arms around it. I don't, I, I can see why he felt that way, but I just can't get behind it and say that I, I, I agree with it. If you know what I mean, right? Well, and you know, we're going to talk to Tim, and things can easily be taken out of context. Is it true, uh, Lincoln, that you guys did change the game plan less than thirty-six hours before the game? Well, here's the thing: Callahan and I were pretty close that year. You know, Tim had made it clear in the the big four-letter network story that you know Callahan never liked the Raiders, and he only came because Gruden wanted there wanted him there. And, and, and I had some issues with that, but you know, prior to the Super Bowl, we had went in with the mindset that yes, we were going to run the ball, and because we we had a big offensive line and they had an undersized defensive line, and we were we were really going to push it. But the way, if you remember the details of the game, and I'm going to find the tape and go back and watch the game, because we found ourselves down early, we had to go to pass. We had to pass the ball. We couldn't we couldn't run the ball to to try to catch up because we found ourselves down early. And, and mainly the reason was that, you know, after that Charles Woodson interception in the first quarter, we only got three out of it, but Tampa Bay conversely came back and scored two touchdowns on us. We found ourselves down 14-3 to three early in the first half. I remember Callahan coming, back, coming over to me and saying, we're going to have to pass to get back into this. And that was during the game, guys. So, uh, you know, we knew we had our, our uphill battle ahead of us, but – Guys, I've stuck to my gut for the last 10 years ever since it happened. I honestly think the reason why we lost that game in the fashion in which we did is because Gruden gave them our complete playbook, our checks, and when Callahan, not Callahan, when Rich went up to the line and checked, uh, or did an audible due to some blitz look, they knew what we were doing. They knew where we were going. That's how they were able to have so many interceptions for touchdowns. Because honestly, that was the difference in a football game. So, Lincoln, you're saying that 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 what happened was simply that Gruden knew the game plan because he's the one who created it. Yes, I'm telling you. During that year that Rich Cannon won MVP, we were only, we ran a handful of plays, and the reason why we were so successful is that we we our our, our game plans were very simplistic, but we had different options. And nobody could really get ahead of those options unless you knew where we were going. I mean, I literally remember Derek Brooks and John Lynch and those guys, when we checked or did an audible, said, hey, look here for, look over here for Timmy. They're going to go slug over. They're going to go over here for Jerry or, or look over there. That's what they're going to do. So it's not that cut and dry as that we changed, we changed the game plan the game before or a couple hours before, and that's how we lost the game. Was there a sense during the game when you realized that Tampa Bay knew offensively what were you were doing? Was there any sense of panic or a last-minute switch? No, there wasn't, there wasn't a sense of panic, but here's the thing. Rich wanted to go with things like dummy calls to try to throw them off, and I said because of the, I, I, I kind of I didn't necessarily talk him out of it because we did use some, but I said you might want to be leery of that, Rich, because I said if we don't game plan it a week before because of the severity of the situation, the fact that we're playing in a big game, you would hate for one of your offensive linemen or two of your offensive linemen to think that dummy call was actually a real call, a real call and go to a different play. You see what I'm saying? So you're, you're really playing with fire that way. You know, look, guys, we didn't even take in consideration when we were playing the game that this might be a possibility. And we found our way through because if you look at the rest of the game, we were able to score it sometimes, but ultimately the difference in the ball game became the turnovers for touchdowns. It wasn't. It, it was the turnovers were key, but it was also these. These were interceptions for touchdowns. 
Look back at the plays. These guys stepped right in front of the ball, right where they, they, where they were able to be. That was the difference in the football game. I don't think it was sabotage as rich as not rich as Tim has tried to put it. I just, I just have a problem believing that. Lincoln, what do you think of this? What Tim Brown had to say about Barrett Robinson? I understand this is a teammate and it's personal. And if you don't care to comment on it, I don't blame you. We've talked to Sam Adams. Sam Adams doesn't want to talk about this, but. Tim says, quote, Barrett Robbins begged Coach Callahan, do not do this to me. I don't have time to make my calls, to get my calls ready. You can't do this to me on Friday. We haven't practiced full speed. We can't get this done, end quote. you have any reaction to that? I, I, I was not aware of that. I was not aware of that. And, and here's the thing. If, if that was the case, then the whole Barrett Robbins situation was bigger than it was because Adam True, though, was a good long snapper, was not the best center. That's why Barrett was our main center. And when Barrett went uh, a wall, that Adam True was in there. So even if you said you wanted to, you wanted to say that we're going to go with this. To, if Barrett Roberts came back and said this would be a great disadvantage for me, and he's a no show, how much of a disadvantage would it be for the second straight mm-hmm. offensive lineman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Lincoln. So I mean, that's yeah. that's the problem with the logic. I mean, look, I, I certainly understand. Look, guys. As I said before, Tim's a friend of mine. I understand why he's disgruntled, why he's mad. It's the biggest game of your career. It, it's a game he didn't have a touchdown pass. It's a game, you know, where 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 he wasn't a, a highlight. I can understand. We're all salty that we lost it. But for the sit to say that, you know, 36 hours before the game, we were sabotaged because Callahan wanted to change up the game plan. I don't remember it that way. Lincoln Kennedy, thanks. I know you didn't know anything about this when you woke up today. Thanks for your time, Lincoln. We appreciate it very, very much. Anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lincoln. All right. There you go. Well, there you have it. I mean, I don't need to embellish any on that. Jerry Rice said pretty much the same thing. You know, when you don't, when you get to the Super Bowl, they look what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. Hey, man, how long has it been since we've been there? Some teams have never won there. But, you know, the Raiders at this particular time, were, were totally off balance. Even though we made it to the show, we had an excellent team, but our leader was not Callahan. Our leader was Gruden. There was a lot of dissension in the locker room, evidently, and it's coming out now, which is, you know, who knows why. But, you know, I personally, as a fan, I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear it. It just brings back a terrible game. It was a horrible day. Uh, Randy went down there to see it. Randy also spent thousands, untold, uh, to sit his ass in a seat and represent Sylvan Black, uh, one of few Raider fans that got to park, park their ass in a seat there in San Diego at Dwellcom or Dwellcom or taking that Com Park. A ba- bad scene. For all the Raider Nation, because, man, come on. Like, you didn't think Gruden knew the whole program. And then, the, evidently, you know, like Tim says, the game plan was changed. And, the, you know, how can they succeed? They couldn't succeed. They couldn't succeed. We all knew it was going to be tough. We all knew Gruden knew all the plays. And you know what? The team didn't play very well. It was a debacle, to say the very least. I, for one, think Callahan wanted to win the game. Why would you not want to win a game? Come on. I mean, why would you not want to win? How often do you get to the Super Bowl? Once in your entire life, and you're going to sabotage it? Tim, Jerry, come on, man. That makes no freaking sense whatsoever. 
I wouldn't care if you hated the organization. You have a chance to etch your name in history as a Super Bowl champion. Forget it. (laughs) He didn't fold that game. He might not have been the best coach for that game, but he certainly wanted to win and tried to win. Perhaps to his detriment, um, he changed the game plan. I don't know. Uh, As a player, it would be tough for me to get. But that's the way it is, man. I don't want to hear no more bullshit about this game because, quite frankly, uh, I'd like to forget it, really. And incidentally, Callahan cooked his own goose when he called the Raiders the dumbest team in America. Uh, That certainly wouldn't go well with Al Davis because that was actually him he was talking about. So that went down, and it was over for Callahan. And by the way, he just might be the Dallas Cowboys' Next play caller, that's what I mean. And, uh, well, he can't be that all, all that bad. Who knows, man? I know this. That is all that I can say about that. Well, the coaching search has come to an end. Yes, Raider Nation, it's time to unveil the coaches we have to 2013 season. Uh, the Raiders went from an absolute ghost town of a website featuring two sections on Raiders Pet Nation. <laughs> and no, it is not some big-name coach like Ken Wisenhunt or whatever. It is Greg Olson, offensive coordinator that actually has a resume like that of Greg Knapp. <laughs> kind of scary. Uh, evidently, he coached under Gruden in 08, and he was uh, dynamic and a good play caller. And I guess from what you see in the stats, what I see is he was offensive coordinator, demoted to, to position coach, offensive coordinator, demoted to position coach, Very much like Greg Knapp, but not. So he is our offensive coordinator. I think the combination of these three coaches, that would be him. And also we got Tony Sperano as our O-line assistant head coach. I love this coaching pick. It is stellar. Sperano had a great stretch with the Cowboys. He's got a lot of coaching experience, and they kicked the crap out of us in – the Dolphins did when he was coaching over there. I have complete confidence from Sperano as a position coach. As far as offensive coordinator, he'll be able to help Olsen out. The minds will be able to meet, and we should be able to create a pretty potent offense. They had one in Miami. We can do this. It's looking very positive. And Bobby April, there's another guy. He's our special teams hire. This guy has accolades behind his name. Special teams coach of the year twice, 2004 and 2008. That says a lot. He has coached for such teams as Atlanta Falcons, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Saints, the Rams, the Bills, and last, the Eagles. He's been credited with improving special teams everywhere he has gone, and he is a solid coach. Amen, Oakland Raiders. Finally, someone we should be able to expect big things from. 
I believe Bobby April saw the opportunity to improve a drastically bad situation. Look, we got two of the best kickers in the NFL. Soon to lose Leckler, I'm sure, after 13 seasons. Well, let's listen to him. Uh, what he has to say on 95.7 The Game. Leckler's pretty, uh, pretty cool dude. You know he's a true Raider, man. He, he wants his team to do it again. He was there during the Super Bowl debacle and whatever conspiracy you want to believe. Uh, let's hear him. Shane Leckler's joining us. Uh, I don't know if you saw Tim or heard Tim Brown's comments, but he, he essentially is saying that uh, Bill Callahan may have thrown the Super Bowl. He says he may have sabotaged the Super Bowl because late in the week they changed the game plan. He said on Friday they changed it, and Barrett Robbins was saying, please don't change it. And then he uh, uh, insinuated that that sent Barrett uh, off the deep end. What do you think of that? Well, you know, it was one of those things. You know, granted, this was 10 years ago. So, I mean, we did. I mean, Tim's right. We did change the game plan. Um, you know, we were supposed to run the ball quite a bit that day, and we ended up throwing it a whole lot. But, you know, there was this, uh, you know, from changing the game plan to, you know, B-Rob being missing, you know, there was just a whole bunch of stuff. And not only that, it was also, remember, it was a short week. You know, we didn't have a, the two-week span. I mean, we went from winning the AFC Championship game straight to the airport uh, Hilton to decide how many tickets you need and to pack to be ready on a flight the next morning. I mean, it was just I – mean, the whole thing was chaos, if you ask me. I mean, just being on the short week, then getting down there and having your center MIA, and then going to the game, playing on run, running the ball at Simeon Rice all day, and then we don't. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I read Tim's article, and, uh, he, you know, he said what he said, and, you know, like you said, it was his opinion. But, yes, you know, the – we did change the game plan, but you know, I mean, it, it was a, there was a collective bunch of mishaps, I would say. Yeah, but the huge, the huge point here, Shane, is what what I remember about it, and I've interviewed so many people since, and talked to so many, including yourself, over the last decade, is that the game plan changed after B. Rob went AWOL because you were going from Barrett Robbins to Adam True, who's more of a tall, angular center, and now the plan's not to run it behind him, maybe to throw it more. Right, you know, and, and I mean, and the thing about it is, yeah, you know, Barrett was a pro bowler that year. That was the year he did make the pro bowl and play in unbelievable football that year. But, you know, I, I still don't think you throw that game plan out with just a center change because of the fact you still had Frank Middleton, Mo Collins, Lincoln Kennedy. We still had a bunch of big guys up there up front. And, uh, and not only that, you still had Zach Crockett and Tyrone, and you could mix it up with Charlie. And, you know, we still had a dynamic running game, I think, and to abort it, all together was, you know, that was kind of you know, a frustrating moment, I guess. But you never got the sense because of, of everything he's saying. I mean, that's that's a pretty uh, big accusation to say that a guy essentially threw the Super Bowl. You, you never get that sense, though, right? And I mean, after reading what Tim said, you know, I was like, he he either woke up in a really bad mood or, <laughs> you know, because I mean, that's you know, throwing a guy that far under the bus. Ten years after it happened, I mean, either something's happened since, or, or he's just really still pissed off about that. I mean, that that is ridiculous to imply that Bill, in the biggest game of his life, wouldn't try to win the game. I don't care who's on the other sideline. But just to go back, uh, Shane, because again, I, I was always under the impression the game plan changed because Barrett was not there. Are, are you saying there's a possibility? That it did change even before Barrett went AWOL. No, I I think it changed after he had, he had been missing or or you know was was gone from us for a few days. I think it changed after that. I don't know if if a sense of um, panic set in or 
more more the fact that hey you're going to turn it over to your MVP quarterback and let him try to win this thing. Um, you know, trying to put the ball in Rich's hands, Rich's hands as much as possible because of the uncertainty at center. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. You know, you'll never know, but I, I know, you know what Tim said about John and Bill being best friends and all this stuff. The pregame speech tonight before the game did not elaborate best friends at all. Um, so, you know, whether or not that was just Bill's pregame speech or um, or the fact that, you know, they are not, or they were not best friends at the time. Um, it painted a whole different picture than what I read this morning. Is it, is it accurate though? Because he was, he was kind of making the comments that, you know, it, it, the team had lost confidence, really wasn't confident going in the game. Was that accurate? I mean, anytime, you know, I mean, anytime you're putting up that many points every Sunday and beating teams the way we did, I mean, I, I didn't feel, granted, this was only my third year in the league and, mm-hmm. and it was, it was very easy to be confident going into a lot of games, uh, especially coming off the two seasons prior to that end of that Super Bowl year. I was, I mean, it was never a, a lack of confidence in our team. I didn't feel, I was, you know, I approached those games back then was, man, would I even punt today or not? You know, you know, it's kind of like that approach other than, you know, the way it's been here the last few years. Um, I, I, I felt confident that we were going to win the game. Um, Granted, you know, Tim had been around for a while. He knows the flow of the National Football League and how that team, you know, he had, I guess, been around that team a whole lot longer than I had, and uh, and he, he may have sensed a different feel. Uh, you know, uh, a lot has been made of, of John going to Tampa and, and the playbook not changing a lot with the Raiders, so he was able to, you know, clue John Lynch into Sluggo Seam and all that. But uh, how much of it do you think, uh, impacted Rich. I just felt like he was unsettled that whole day, and I, I point to not having Barrett Robbins there, the security blanket of the center. How, how much did losing Barrett just force Rich to play the worst game of his career, Shane? You know, I think it had had, had something to do with it. Um, you know, and not only that, the fact that John and Rich think almost identically. You know, and uh, as far as being competitive and knows in the playbook all the time and know what's going on all the time and what they pretty much would make the same decision. Either one of them playing quarterback, John or Rich playing quarterback, they drop back, they see something, they know exactly where the ball needs to go. I think that may have played a little bit into it too. Um, the fact that John knew everything Rich was thinking and Rich knew everything John was thinking. Tell us what your future is. You think you're coming back to the Raiders? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, it's one of those things I've been there 13 years and, um, you know, the, and I'm I'm definitely not ready to stop playing. Um, so, but you know, I know I understand that the whole group of guys down at the Senior Bowl, but I haven't heard anything from them. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're ready to turn the page and move on and go a little bit younger at that position, or or if they're just going to kind of wait around like you know, last four years ago when I signed the contract, I signed it one day before free agency and never heard from Al until that day. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you never know uh, what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I got a lot of great friends and a lot of great respect for that organization. And, and I always said, you know, after playing in the Super Bowl and then not having some down years, you know, it'd be fun to see that thing come all the way around full circle and be a part of it. But, you know, that's going to be up to them. And, um, you know, I hate the cliche that the NFL is a business, but, you know, at, at times like this when you're hitting free agency, um, you know, you can't let the emotions kind of get the best of you where it's very easily can. But, you know, it's one of those things. The uncertainty is is not fine, I'll tell you that. Uh, not knowing where you're going to be, not knowing where your kids are going to go to school, not knowing where you're going to live the next, you know, football season. 
that stuff's not uh, not the easiest thing to wake up to with it on your mind every day. But you know, kicking in front of the, you know at the black hole in front of the Raider fans and and doing that was 13 years of a whole lot of fun. And um, it's all going to be you know up to them, and and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, in the old days with Al, though, Shane, he could just wait to to tag you. He could transition tag you or franchise tag you, but uh, they're they're not going to do that, obviously, this time because you'd make so much more money. You know, he is the holder for Janikowski, the only one he has ever had, by the way. So um, it's going to be difficult. They're very good friends. They've had a very long-lasting friendship, and professionally, for sure, on the same franchise, uh, they're both their careers. I don't have any doubt that Janikowski will do a good job. His contract, however, is up next season. Let me, let me just ask you one thing. If you do leave, how will that impact Sebastian Janikowski? Uh, you know, like that, that's kind of the one thing that, you know, I talk to, I talk to Steve Bass on a, on a pretty good basis here, you know, once a week, once every three, four days. And, uh, you know, I can tell it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna affect him, but just because of the fact that you know changing holders, and uh, I know him and John are gonna still Condo are still gonna have a great relationship there with that part, but the, you know you're gonna change a middleman in there with the holding, and and um, you know and he, he's he's worried about it in some of his personal reasons because of the fact that hey, next year after next season he's a free agent if he goes into having a bad year because of some you know holding situations or something's happened where he's not comfortable. You know, that's just going to affect him in the long run. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully, if I'm back, everything will be fine. If not, hopefully they'll get it situated and they got plenty of days in training camp to work on it. And, um, you know, and, and it's one of those things. That's one of those things where it just it, it takes time to get going. But, um, you know, I, I have no doubt that they'll, they'll get it figured out if I'm not there on how to handle that part. Hey, Shane, thanks for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks, right, Shane. There you go. Shane Leckler joining. So uh, we shall see what Reggie tends to do, but I don't think Leckler will be here. So maybe that's why they're bringing in April. I hope it's for every other reason because our kicking games have been stellar. It's the return team and the uh, coverage teams that have been dreadfully poor. Uh, I mean, we cannot start – with them being on, you know, the third, their 35-yard line or their 40-yard line, you can't start games that way, and we started that way quite a bit. So special teams is a big need. We definitely need that to be filled. This guy comes with some heavy credentials, and I believe we have nowhere to go but up in special teams. Still looking now for an, a uh, linebacker's coach, which is definitely something we should be looking at. I don't know who they're looking at. Who will know? There's no fanfare in Oakland, but they're trying to take care of business slowly but surely. Now, <laughs> I got to say this. The draft is coming up, free agency, all that. So there's many more things we have to talk about. These hires are good. Together, they're great. The Sperano pick today was just the perfect combination of professional coach, coaching experience, and success. I mean, come on, man. The guy went from position coach to head coach overnight. He's a great coach, and he will help Olsen in this offense. And I'm sure that April is no slouch either. He's been all over the NFL. He could add to this mix. This offense is looking like it could be pretty good. That's not even adding one player. 
All I want to see out of this offense are smart plays, good plays, imaginative plays, plays that will keep the other team on one leg, plays that we've seen in the past when our team has been dominant, plays that allow our players to do their very best with the talents they have. It's about damn time. Now, Dennis Allen did pop off with some stuff now about um, this being the guy, and he's got a good reputation. He's saying all the right things. I don't know about this Dennis Allen situation, and I certainly don't know about Reggie Kenji yet. The jury's out on both these characters still. I like Tarver. So there's where I am with the team right now. Uh, I do think that the draft will show all, and really before the draft, free agency will be the key here. I don't want all of Green Bay's outcasts, however, Reggie. I want some players from other teams that are diamonds in the rough, guys like Wheeler that came out of nowhere and dominated. There's got to be guys out there, and that's your job. I want to see him do that job and do the very best at it. And that's not even including the draft, which I think should be a bonanza of excellent defensive talent on the lines, both offensive and defensive lines. We could get some power blockers in this draft that could take us over the top. I don't mean the Super Bowl, but over 500 at the very least. I'm very positive about this move. I'm very surprised at this late time in the season that we actually picked up the coaches that were worth a crap. The Sperano move was brilliant. I don't know who convinced him to come here, but I'm glad whoever did, did. That was a smart move. I think it's going to really pay off down the line. April, another great hire, and I don't know who convinced him to come here either, but I'm glad of it. Now, Olsen, question mark, we'll see. Got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is actually surrounded by a lot of experience, partners, so it looks good. For the Raiders on the coaching, I'm, I'm looking real positive at this one, man. I'm feeling good about this. Let's see what we do in free agency and the draft. But so far, so good, baby. I'm liking these moves. I'm feeling a little more or a little less uneasy about our upcoming season. Faux show. It's time for the bone line. <laughs> 1-800-620-7181. 1-800-620-7181. Get on the bone. Get on the bone line, man, because things are happening. The Raider Nation, I know we're tired. We're very tired. But we got to stand up and take a stand, man, because there's a lot of changes going down, and we got to keep a sharp eye on this organization and what is going on here uh, because there's a lot of changes. So let's just listen to the first call of the show. What is up? Our first caller is Raider Anthony from Bellingham, Washington. That's where my brother lives. Ain't never been there, but I'll be there someday. <laughs> what is up, Anthony? What's up, Raider Nations? What's up, Greg? What's up, Randy? This is Anthony calling from Bellingham, Washington. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that this year's over. It's just been, it's been a rough year watching the Raiders. It's been a rough year just watching this team just go from being a player two away from the playoffs to just sputtering and just getting killed 
on a uh, week in week out basis. Um, like like what I saw with Terrell Pryor on uh, on Sunday, uh, I think the coaches did him a real big disservice not getting him not getting him into the game in Carolina, maybe even the last part of the Kansas City game. That's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter at this point. It is what it is. Uh, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, they got rid of Dirt Nap. I'm. Uh, I guess it's better late than never to realize that even though uh, inside a jewelry box, a turd is still a turd. Um, but, you know, they finally realize that they got a turd with dirt nap. No matter if you make it look like a, a piece of jewelry, it's still a turd. You know, Mackenzie's eyes finally opened and Dennis Allen's eyes finally opened and they got rid of, they got rid of nap and, and, uh, the offensive line coach, Frank, what, whatever the hell his name is, what's his face. But um, I, I think that we have something different in uh, in Terrell Pryor. I wish that they got him more prepared than than what they did. You know, he's got some he's got some light of promise there. Uh, you know, we were just probably a play or two away from either taking the lead or or, or uh, tying up. Tying up the nutless, boltless, nut sacks in San Diego. He kept it competitive, and he, you know, he he kept it interesting. And I, I think that with the right, with the right coaching staff, with the right offensive mind, I think, I think, uh, I think that we could stay competitive with with Terrell Pryor. But I also know that you know the Raiders got some serious money. Invest in Carson Palmer. I, I just kind of wish that they would uh, they would just forget that and, and and move on. We need to look at the we need to look at the future, and uh, I think that train's passed with Carson Palmer. I mean, the guy's going to be 34, 35 years old next year. He ain't getting any younger. We got to ride the uh, we got to ride the young arm and the young set of legs. So, you know, I, I say that we try to build around build around Terrell Pryor. Maybe bring in another young guy that that could uh, compete with him. You know, I, I see us I see us going with uh, Monty Teo and with that number three pick that we've got. I hope they kick Matt Leinert's ass out of Oakland. Uh, that guy's pathetic. Uh, he's always going to be a journeyman backup quarterback. That's that's all he's ever going to be. That's all he's good for. But uh, I also think that you know this is the end of the line for Carson Palmer. I mean, that guy just costs too much money to 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 get us nowhere. I think he's a decent quarterback. Everybody's gonna say, well, his zone blocking scheme that 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 Matt put in messed up the timing. It messed up the the, the rhythm that Carson could get. Whatever, you know, it is what it is. He's still an interception waiting to happen. Regardless, there were times where he showed brilliance during the year. But I, I think that train's passed for him. I think uh, he, he needs to hang it up for real this time. Uh, I think he's just too much money to, to keep around. So uh, looking forward to 2013. I'm glad this nightmare of a year is over. Uh, it's hard being a Raider fan up here in Sea Chicken Country. Everybody talking, everybody talking mad shit that the Raiders suck, and you know, look at how good the Seahawks are, and you know this this thing and that and, and it is you know, it's like what you know, it is what it is. And how much hardware do the 
do the Seahawks have in their trophy case? That's what I thought. They got zero Lombardis. We got three Lombardis. How many How many guys do they got in the uh, in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I can only think of two: Steve Largent and 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 uh, Cortez Kennedy. How many do we have? Well, that's just a whole another fucking show on its own. We got a lot of guys in uh, in camp. You know, they say, well, why we got look at all the numbers we got retired in our stadium. You guys ain't got shit retired. Well, that's because if we retired every number that everybody played with, we wouldn't have no fucking numbers left for whoever playing. We'd have to use letters. So try again, Seahawks fans, <laughs> Raider fans, best fans ever. Uh, you know, we got one of the best, and you know, we've had one of the greatest franchises ever to play this game. Uh, I love my Raiders. I love the Raider Nation. And uh, we'll see what 2013 brings us. Bye. Yeah, I think the rest of the Raider Nation is happy the season is over. I sure am. I couldn't think of going to another game except to see my Raider Nation brothers and sisters. For show. Uh, I miss them already. I've missed them already. Trust me. As far as Terrell Pryor, ain't going to happen. Uh, he would be a dismal loss of another season. We need someone like Hey, he has no <laughs> RG3. He has no luck. He's definitely not um, even the quarterback of the Sea Chickens. What's his name? Wilson? No. Now, I feel bad for you living up in Sea Chicken or Sea Cock. That's what I like to call them, the Sea Cocks uh, country up there because they're, well, to be honest, they're assholes. They're the worst fans with no jewelry that I've ever had the displeasure to be around. And, well, you just keep saying that. Uh, add this one to your repertoire. Hey, can I get a – I've been looking for a T-shirt, uh, the uh, Seahawks Super Bowl T-shirt. Uh, where can I get those? I need to send some back home. Right. Great call, brother. Uh, we got to just look forward uh, to a good and better – situation. That's all I got to say. I hope it gets better for us all. Thanks for the call. And next we have Raider Joe. He's in the snow. <laughs> it's got to be cold up in there, brother. What is happening, Raider fan? What's up, Raider Greg? Raider Nation? It's Raider Joe out of Rochester, New York. It's dumping snow. Just like how the Raiders dumped a pile of shit season on us this year. Well, it's over, and finally the Fat Lady Sunger's song, Greg Knapp, is the fuck out of Oakland. Thank the heavens. Yeah, I don't care who we get. It's going to get better. Maybe we bring Hugh Jackson back. Who knows? But Terrell Pryor, I had promise in him, and just like, anyways, I got disappointed. Knew I wasn't expecting much, but it just seemed like every single pass was just, like, lopped. I don't know why. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but even the short dinks and dunks, the slots to Brandon Myers up the middle five yards just looked like he was arcing it for freaking, I don't know what he was doing, but I don't know if that's just inexperience or what, but you're not going to be an NFL quarterback. You're going to throw way more picks than Ryan Fitzpatrick if you're going to be throwing like that, man. So, I mean, it's over. Looking forward to the draft already, of course. See, we're going to get sitting pretty at three, maybe, you know, trade back or whatnot, but See what happens, and uh, good year, kind of, not really, but anyways, want to put on a little take on the season's end, and uh, hopefully 2013 is going to be way different. All right, guys, go Raiders. Well, that was an apt description. 
the fat lady's thong, which would in this case be Greg Knapp, was flung out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Don't let it hit me. But anyway, yes, man, that was a good thing. And the Terrell Pryor passes, I'm telling you, all of you, (laughs) he is not the guy. That's my opinion. That is strictly Ritter Greg's opinion. And, uh, well, you know what? We got a lot of changes. Hopefully, things will get more better. Thank you for the call, man. Stay warm, brother. And next we have my good brother, Raider Lou Dog. What is up? I love the knowledge, baby. What's happening? Hey, what's up, Raider Nation? This is Lou Dog over here in Riverside, California. I'm a longtime listener and a longtime follower of uh, the Raider Nation podcast. It's been a while since I called in uh, and left uh, my thoughts and opinions of our beloved Raider team. Um, another season down, and a very disappointing one that is. Um, you know, I didn't have too much of high expectations this year because of the new management, new general manager, new coach, and new coaches. I got rid of four of them this past week. Now, hopefully they can replace uh, those four with some quality coaches. And then we'll see where we go on in the future. So the draft picks are already set for the first round. And once again, we find ourselves in the top five in the last five to six years. You know what? Uh, I know it's too early to talk about the draft, and that's all I want to say about it. But I do want to talk about our season. And like I said, it was somewhat of a disappointing season. Uh, We showed flashes of what we could be uh, on defense and on offense. I know we can still improve uh, on both sides of the ball, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, It's another year. Uh, All all we can say or all I can say is I can't can't wait till next year, I guess. Um, Looking forward to next year, uh, seeing what, new changes will be made, what players might be traded, and what players might be picked up. It's a new year. With every new year comes new things. So uh, we'll see what happens in our future, Raider Nation. We've got an April uh, to the draft, so you know, it's a couple months away. So until then, um, I will catch you guys later. I'm out. Yeah, disappointing to say the very least. I just don't think um, this team ever found an identity. I don't think there was a, lo- a real positive vibe in the locker room. I think there was a lot of uh, issues. And four coaches gone, that says a lot. When you bring in a new coach and staff and you let go of as many coaches as you did and replaced them with so many new guys, well, I maybe think uh, that was a bad move. So let's not make that again. Let's solidify the coaching staff and move on. 2013, we shall see. Thanks for the call, brother. And next we have a mystery Raider caller letting us know who he wants to be drafted. Who is it, partner? Barkevious Mingo. Period. Exclamation point. 
Let me just say this about Mr. Mingo. <laughs> the guy won the 2009 Name of the Year Award. <laughs> and check this out. Mingo is the son of Hugh Mingo and Barbara Johnson. He has an older brother. He has two other bro- older brothers, Hugh and Utavius. So he has a brother named Hugh and a brother named Hutabius, and his name is really after his mother's name, Barbara. <laughs> so you can get the Barcavius uh, and Hutabius. <laughs> what a trippy name. But incidentally, he's a pretty damn good defensive end. And uh, he played for the uh, LSU Tigers. And he redshirted in 09, and in 10, he kicked some booty, man. He got eight sacks, 47 tackles. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having Bartavius on the team. Matter of fact, I can actually pronounce his damn name. No, you can't. It's Barcavius, not Bartavius. I'm a computer, and even I can pronounce it better than you can. And next we have HD Radar. And, uh, well, <laughs> he enjoyed this just as much as I did. What's up, brother? HD Raider. Just fucking watch the Broncos and the goddamn Baltimore Ravens. For all you Raider fans out there, fucking pull it for fucking Peyton Manning because you want him to get another fucking Super Bowl. Fuck that shit. I will never fucking pull for the goddamn Broncos. I don't give a fuck if they're playing a Pop Warner team. I'm glad that fucking long neck faggot lost today. Okay? Ray Lewis and those companies are the East Coast Raiders. If you don't know shit, they have been patterned how we used to be. Hard nose, come to work, and bust your motherfucking ass and leave with, with a fucking goddamn win. That's what we need to get back to, what I saw today. Lines, defense, offense, stood in there. Running backs, hard. We are a bunch of fucking punks compared to what I fucking saw. And if the Raiders don't get back to this bullshit, this is what we're going to see. You got fucking Carson Palmer. You got the rest of these little sorry-ass bitches we got on the goddamn team. If we don't make some changes this offseason, we are not going to see no playoffs today. Kudos to the fucking Baltimore Ravens. Pattern the likeness of the old-school Oakland Raiders, man. I give it to them today because I can't vote for fucking Manning. For all you guys out there who was all on his nuts, fuck you and fucking Manning. Hey, you know what, man? I forgot to speak on the Rolando McClain bullshit. Yeah, you goddamn right. I'm fucking sitting here drinking party shit. I don't give a fuck. You goddamn right. Rolando McClain, if Reggie them don't get rid of this fucking wide-ass pinhead motherfucker and get you like a real player in there, Hey, man, they both need to goddamn go. The jury is out on both of them. I'll give you a hall pass this year. What you going to do now? Because you know what, man? Honestly, I don't like either one of them. They have no enthusiasm. They are too quiet for me. They don't get mad about shit. Get this goddamn team on this goddamn in the playoffs next year, man. I'm out. Man, you must have been at some party, brother. <laughs> but you had a good take. Hell yeah, I'm glad that Peyton Manning did not make it and went up in a ball of flames. 
That's right. They were high-fiving and celebrating and smiling and skipping around on the field. And then, booyah! (laughs) Touchdown! Ravens, end of game. Goodbye. See you next year, partner. And they all went down in shock. The entire stadium was silent. I loved it. Great moment for me personally because I freaking hate the Bronco Hose. Good call, brother. And next we have Raider Mystic. What is happening, brother? Mr. Optimistic. I don't know about last season, partner. I think Allen did an admirable job, and I think he did a good job with the defense. And this will improve. I have confidence in this. Hey, what's up, Raider Greg, Raider Randy? It's Raider Mystic. Mystic, tick, tick, tick. Up in uh, Bend, Oregon. And just calling in. Um, Broncos. The Denver Broncos. Man, they, they were about to win. They are about to win. My favorite moment in that game was with two minutes left, the whole crowd, they were blasting that song, Open Gangnam Star. Whoop, 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 whoop. Open Gangnam Star. And the whole place was jumping up and down. They were like on top of the world. They were zooming in on John Elway, smiling, giving high fives. And then whoosh, the world ended. <laughs> and it went into overtime after Flacco threw that 70-yard bomb. I was like, yeah. You know, when the Raiders season's over, at least like we sometimes we still got some rivals we can cheer against. And uh, it was fun to see the Broncos go down Peyton Manning, throw a interception and double overtime, which was a good game anyways, just for football's sake. But uh, it was a lot of fun to see, see the Broncos go down. And like Al Davis says, we want to see the quarterback go down and go down hard. This time we got to see the Broncos go down and go down hard. That's really my only thought for the moment. It was fun to see the Seahawks. You know, I'm from the Northwest, so, you know, I kind of, I got a little back support for a team that's a little bit within my area sometimes. But, you know, the Seahawks used to be the Raiders' rival as well back in the day. And uh, it was fun watching Bo Jackson fly by those sea squawkers, those sea chickens um, back in the day up there when they used to have an indoor spot for the Seahawks, but uh, it was fun to see them think that they they won and actually didn't, and it actually reminded me of that Falcons-Raiders game previous in the season when I think it was kind of the same scenario where we were up and then they had 30 seconds left, and I believe the Falcons just had enough, like, two pass plays to kick a field goal. If I, if I, I believe I'm correct that it was the exact same scenario. It was, like, 30 seconds, and they had, like, two plays and kicked a field goal. So I think uh, I remember a little deja vu in that one. But anyway, Seahawks went down hard. Broncos went down hard. And now we're just left with a bunch of crap. So we'll see how this all works out. Look forward to the next season. And go Raiders! And the Bronco hose went down hard. (laughs) 
It was priceless. Priceless. Mile, you better get high stadium, was silent. (laughs) It was beautiful. I'd love to get some close-ups of the crowd. Priceless. Thanks for the call, brother. And next, one of my very, very favorite guys, man. A very good and smart Raider fan. This would be Raider Maniac. What's up, partner? Hey, Raider Greg. This is Raider Maniac. First of all, I'd like to wish Randy a speedy recovery on his surgery. Now on to the Raiders. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. The thing that we've been going through for the last 15 years is all the coaching changes and the lack of consistency. Once again, we fire three coaches. Understandably, the special teams coach needed to be fired. We were horrible there. I understand that our offense was lacking, but here's the thing. Be careful what you wish for when you want a new coordinator because here, tell it, they're talking to Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Now, is he going to be an upgrade? Sure, he's going to have a flashy, exciting offense, but are they going to be able to execute it? That's my question. Our players, and receivers for that matter, haven't shown the ability to get open and catch the football on a consistent basis. We got a guy that we drafted in the first round with 4-3 speed, Darius Hayward Bay, He's been there for three years now. I haven't seen that 4-3 speed. I haven't seen him blow by a defensive back like he's supposed to be able to do. Sure, he's gotten better over the last couple of years as far as being able to catch the football, but he can't really get open that much. And back to the coaching. If you're going to sit there and Start over on offense once again. Why not just go ahead and fire the whole motherfucking staff? I mean, Jesus Christ. Dennis Allen, I tried to give this guy the benefit of the doubt being that he was young and it was his first coaching job and all that stuff. But the more the season wore on, the worse he got. His decision-making as far as Having no, he had no, he had no nuts to to go forward on fourth down. We're uh, like four and what are we? Four and twelve. We've been piss poor all season, not winning any games, and this clown doesn't want to show his team that he's got some uh, balls to go forward on fourth down when you're at the three yard line. Come on, man. We're playing the Chiefs. Points ain't nothing for that because we're done. I mean, we're not going nowhere. Winning a game doesn't mean shit at that point. And as far as him not letting the young players play, that's another thing. The season's over. It was over 
weeks weeks ago. And this guy doesn't want to let the young guys get in there and show what they can do moving forward to the future. That's what it's all about with the Raiders now, the future. Like the great Mr. Davis said, the greatness of the Raiders is in the future. Well, we're not going to see the future if we keep playing the same old guys that can't get it done. They're washed up on their way out anyway, a lot of them. It's, for me, I wanted to see the young players get in there and show what they could do. You've got to see what they can do before you know what they can do. When you see something, you know what you got, then you can make a decision on this offseason going forward whether to draft this player or that player or sign this free agent or that free agent. Speaking of free agents, Philip Wheeler should be the number one free agent that we re-sign. This guy gave 100% every fucking game. Every game. He was out there flying around making plays the way you should be, whether you're winning or losing. But it's going to be an interesting season once again with a totally new offense. Hopefully we get some good players in here. And Dennis Allen, well, what I'd like to know is, is there anybody in upper management that has a clue as as, as of how to obtain a big-time coaching staff? I mean, Mr. Davis is gone. So this organization can surely attract some big-name coach. That's all I got to say. I'll see you in 2013. Go Raiders. Well, brother, I don't know what to tell you. I just know that the use of the players we've had this season, the the way they've been used, the offense, the way they've been taught, the plays that they've called has been a gruesome mistake. I think the fact that the Oakland Raiders took such quick and fast action Shedding the losers off of the team is a testimony to the coaching staff and to the general manager for making fast decisions. And yeah, I think they should have fired everybody, even though consistency matters. But good consistency as opposed to bad consistency. Hey, what's your choice, right? So we have Allen. He should have brought in a staff, a qualified, good, solid staff if he wanted to succeed. And it seems to me that he went to the bargain bin and, you know, got a bunch of clowns and then he's going to make it better his second season. Bullshit. That's some bullshit. And if if they don't get these players to play, like DHBs do like $9 million or something ridiculous this year, are they going to pay him? Are they going to pay him $9 million for has he played? I don't care if he's improved. He's not a $9 million player a year player. There's a lot of that going on. Um, we'll see. There's a lot, lot of changes I hope happen. We got a new offensive coordinator, special teams coach. Uh, man, just hold on to your ass, I guess, and hope that we just get better. But, man... <laughs> uh, we got just the beginning, so let's just see what happens in the offseason. It's just the beginning of the roller coaster, brother. Let's hope it gets better. Thanks for the call, man. And next from Monterey, this is Raider Tony. What's up, Tony? 
Hey, Raider Nation, Raider Greg. This is Raider Tony over in Monterey. And um, just wanted to call in and touch base and with you guys and hope that uh, Randy's surgery goes well. Can't wait for the next podcast because I'm sure the rest of the nation is just as anxious as I am. Just wanted to give my thoughts on some recent occurrences, like the hiring of the new coordinator, this uh, Greg Olson. Um, hey, he's a power uh, run blocking guy, and running backs have flourished under him in his previous experiences. So I think that that's going to be a good fit for us. Uh, he did a good job in St. Louis and in uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, so we'll see how much DMAC takes off, but I'll tell you one thing, he is going to take off because uh, he is the ideal the ideal system for DMAC. So I have a feeling that next season DMAC is going to not only be back, but he's going to be really uh, back to his old self, like dominant, like top three, top two running back in the league. And I think he has the potential to be the best running back in the league with the right system and if he can stay healthy. So we've got a great weapon and I'm glad that uh, we hired Olsen. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It wasn't North Turner. I know a lot of us were hoping for a North Turner or a big-name guy. But, um, but you know, really what it comes down to is finding the right guy and, uh, you know, it's going to bring in a good system that's a good fit for the players that we have. And uh, we were able to do that. This guy, uh, that's a big thing right there, you know. I mean, we all had questions about the Greg Knapp hiring last year, and um, I think we all knew that it was going to not work out And um, from the get-go. And with this, this is totally different. Like, this guy is, is bringing the power-blocking, you know, Hugh Jackson type of, of uh, offensive system, and we all saw how our offense did in that a couple of years ago. So I'm excited on that end. Um, you know, the draft is coming up, Raider Greg, and uh, and I do feel like uh, I'd like to give uh, – I know people are kind of down on this Fontetio guy for the uh, recent debacle. What a weird fucking situation that is. But, uh, but my thing is this, um, as weird and bizarre as the imaginary girlfriend thing is, um, I say, well, let's draft him. If the guy can tackle – and he can be a leader, and he can stay out of legal trouble, and 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 um, be a leader of men on the defensive side of the ball, uh, on the field. If he can do those things and play smart, then why not pick him up? You know, as long as he doesn't have uh, any legal issues, which he doesn't, he's not getting arrested like Slowlando McQueen. Um, that clowns out. So that'll be good. We're getting rid of the. We're getting rid of the loser players too, him and and some of the other uh, scrubs that don't need to be there or just over the hill like Richard Seymour. So, um, you know, bringing in a guy like uh, drafting Montateo, I'm cool with that. I think that if we do that, I have a feeling that we might, uh, based on uh, some things Reggie McKenzie has said when they asked him about him. In the Chronicle, I was reading that McKenzie said he'd like to know a little more information before he rushes to any judgment. So to me, it sounds like he's interested. And so I think that we are going to end up drafting him as long as nothing 
more bizarre comes out of that. And I think that's a good move. Um, you know, I know it, it, it's – we have so many needs on the defensive side of the ball that you could argue that, um, you know, drafting that high with one guy might not be the best thing. Drafting down, trading down, and, and getting more picks is, is another approach. And I would be happy with that too, Raider Greg. I think that's a good move too. All I'm saying is that either way, I think it's a good situation. If we do take a chance on that guy, um, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with giving him a chance because, like I said, as long as he has uh, stays out of legal trouble and um, you know plays hard and uh, does what the coaches ask and plays smart, what more could you ask for in a middle linebacker? So, anyway, those are my thoughts on that. Um, I'm already looking forward to next season, man. Just renewed my season ticket package and uh, can't wait to uh, to have uh, the new season. I mean, I just uh, I'm really optimistic. I'm not um, going to make any major predictions about playoffs or anything because, you know, I just want to see progress. Same thing for this upcoming year because we still – look, we need to be real about it. We're still a work in progress. There's still a lot to fix, especially in terms of personnel on the defensive side of the ball. So anyone that's gonna that's expecting too much needs to be, you know, more reasonable in their expectations. Um, I'm hoping for a and eight, but definitely progress. Um, you know, the division is is up for grabs after Denver. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't entirely think that Denver is just going to dominate the division next year like they did this year. I think that uh, teams are going to catch up to them. Uh, I think Manning is on a last leg. Yeah, he did look good, but, um, but you know, we can beat those guys. I, I think we can beat those guys. Um, but with that, like I said, they should still win the division. I see us coming up in second and uh, Kansas City and San Diego respectively fighting for third and fourth because, you know, Turner's fired so and and, uh, and uh, Romeo Cornell's fired. So a lot of uh, turnover in our division, which is good for us because uh, our rebuilding, we're already a year into our rebuilding. They are just starting theirs. So anyway, I can't wait to hear what everyone else has to say. Really happy Greg Knapp got his ass out of town. Greg Knapp, fuck you. Go fuck yourself. I really hope that uh that uh <laughs> oh man. Oh man, he, he cost us a season. But um anyway, um I heard he got hired on by the Denver Broncos as a quarterback's coach, so go figure, you know. Um hope he fucks them up too. Anyway, Raider Nation, Raider Greg, I'm out. Well now, Tony on our new offensive coordinator, Greg Olson. He has the same doggone resume as Greg Knapp. The only exception is he has a different outlook on the how the offense should be run. So I say this, maybe this is the best move for us, but I would rather have had someone come in here with a name like Ken Wisenhunt. He would have been a great upgrade. A name associated with success is what we need. Like April, like Bobby April. So... Uh, jury's out on him. And Monte Teo. Hell no, you don't want no head case when you're drafting that high in the draft. 
Oh, no, we got to stay away from the mayo. Uh-uh. No, no mayo. Teo, thank you very much. No, there's far more qualified players that have so much more going for them. I mean, uh, that dwarf this guy because his talent set does not demand looking beyond the dead girlfriend. And by the way, you don't kill your girlfriend. She don't die. You, you know, she breaks up with you or, you know, doesn't contact you again or, you know, is cheating with somebody else. Uh, they don't die. That's And then to use it, man. Oh, no. Forget Teo. <laughs> Forget Teo. And, uh, well, man, thanks for the call, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> we better not. Thank you, brother. And next, my very good brother, Raider Steve from Sin City, Las Vegas. What is up, Steve? Hey, Raider Briggs, Raider Steve in Vegas. Um, just uh, noticed that we signed Greg Olson for OC and Bobby April for uh, special teams. You know, I, I like the the idea of moving back to the power scheme. I think it's going to show benefits right away. Uh, you know, maybe the Raiders can go back to 8-8 eight and eight next year. Um, and Bobby April, I looked him up. He looks like he's um pretty solid special teams, been in the league for a long time, two-time special teams coach of the year, so Looks like that was a pretty good move by the Raiders. To be honest, I think it, the Raiders, they're going with steady hires, guys that are proven in the league, you know, not necessarily the flashy hire, but, you know, um, definitely really steady hires. And it looks like, let's be honest, in order for everyone to keep their job, they need to improve. And these guys look like they're going to improve the team. Um, maybe they've got some more upside than what they've done in the past. You know, this looks like a team that can go 8-8 eight and eight to me. If we go back to power running and we get a similar offense to what we had under Hugh Jackson and uh, Jacoby Ford's back and we get special teams production the way we should, and, you know, if the defense gets better, it would be a, a big, big help. But I, I think, they, you know, everyone wants to keep their jobs. They're keeping it steady. They're getting guys that are solid and they're bringing them in. And, uh, you know, I think overall it should be an improvement um, not super excited, but, you know, anybody's better than Greg Knapp, man. And uh, Greg Olson did do some good things down in Tampa Bay. So um, I'm willing to give him a shot. Let's do it. You know, what could help this coach would be a good hire for an offensive line monster. Some 335-pound solid piece of muscle that'll blow holes through the defense like Swiss cheese. If we get a good draft... Uh, choice of offensive lineman, which I think we definitely need. We need some depth in that position. Uh, I think we could definitely improve the running game, which, of course, would improve the passing game. Hey, man, an eight-win season would be fine with me. And if they can, they got to make improvements. You're absolutely right, because their jobs, all of them, should depend on this season. Uh, they We can't have another four-win season because the heads will definitely be rolling, partner. So let's just see what happens. We get Our draft is a huge thing. Free agency is huge. Uh, we got to manage this cap. There's going to be some big surprises, I believe. So let's just see what happens, brother. Thanks for the call. 
And next, my brother from the east, <laughs> Raider Rob from Maryland. Whoa, that's way over there, brother. What's up? Hey, Ray. Hey, Raider Rob from Maryland. It's going to be pretty simple. That's the hole you're running to, and get there and go as fast as you can straight. I'm really excited about that new special teams guy. The Eagles always had good special teams. Shit. It's going to be good. I'm excited. Hopefully McKenzie doesn't fuck up the draft and we get some real player field. Anyway, hope Andy's sorry has a surgery. Hope you're having a good offseason. That's good. You know, we got to be positive because uh, things have to be positive. I just want to see what happens. There's, there's always a chance. There's always a chance every year. That's why the NFL is so intriguing. We got opportunities. The draft is hugely important. Free agency is absolutely necessary to succeed here. We need to get some free agents in here that Reggie can make something happen for actual good players. Not uh, Brycell and, uh, well, I don't want to get into it. But, uh, yeah, man, we should be do much better. And, uh, yeah, it's a good thing that Randy's back or this show would be in the box still. Happy days are here again. The skies above are clear again. Let us sing a song of cheer again. Happy days are here again. And next, my very good brother from the Lone Star State, Houston Raiders Steve. What's happening, man? You got the knowledge. This is Houston Raider Steve. I've been listening to the Superstation out of Denver, Calway 850. Man, I tell you what, when they went out and got Peyton Manning, they got him to go to the Super Bowl, not just to go to the playoffs, not go to the championship, but to win the Super Bowl. Man, the woulda, coulda, shoulda, man, all week last week they're saying, I can't believe with that much time left in the game, those three plays, they did those three running plays instead of, here you have the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and you didn't let him pass on th- even on that third down play that they got stuffed at. They turned the ball over. Of course, Flacco threw it, and they burned their ass. And then John Fox decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, play for overtime instead of play to win with 30-some seconds left. And they're saying, why didn't they just go ahead and just throw the ball downfield? You know, Mount High Stadium, we all know Jason Elam kicked a 63-yarder. And also, Seabass, Sebastian Kanikowski also hit a 63-yarder in that stadium. And you didn't, you played for halftime with the number, you know, number one seed? I mean, give me a break. Man. Man, they are barbecuing them, that ultra-conservative. And I tell you what, hopefully we can go out and get a quarterback. Because, you know, Matt Leiner definitely isn't the answer. Pryor's, you know, potential, but that's down the road. And if we can keep Carson Palmer healthy, I still think we ought to go get a quarterback with that first pick. But not a USC quarterback. We've got two USC retreads on our team already as quarterbacks. And Carson Palmer, I'm sorry, that was a disappointment. We shouldn't have gotten you the first, given up a first and second pick to Cincinnati. They got the better deal, my friend. Fire was the last pick that Al Davis ever got. Hopefully he can turn out to be the quarterback we all hope he can be. He can be better than Jakarkis Russell. Go Raiders! We're going to be back someday, my friends. We're going to be back, baby. Yeah, that was quite a game, man. I couldn't believe the game management. It was kind of it was surreal. I was at a restaurant with my wife and my daughter, and uh, I was watching TV. I'm like, 
What are they doing? They got 30 seconds and they're taking a knee? Oh, man, that, I was blown away. But, hey, I was glad the Ravens beat them. And look where they are now. <laughs> the Broncos are on the couch. The Ravens in the Super Bowl. Well, some things are very sweet. And that is one of them, brother. Thanks for the call. Well, Raider Nation, this is the mystery Raider. But he puts down a rant about Terrell Pryor, and I love it because it says everything that I'd like to say, but Randy'd get mad at me. What do you mean funny? Funny how? Tell me what's funny. What the fuck is so funny? So check this guy out, man. <laughs> he is on fire. Ready, Greg. Ready, Randy. Hope you're doing good, Ready, Randy. Need you back, man. I've listened to the podcast for the last two seasons, and it seems like a lot of the Raider Nation is rooting for Pryor. Do you realize that fucking Gannon had, was the only Raider to pass for over 4,000 yards, and Palmer is the last one, last quarterback to pass for over 4,000 yards? Are you kidding me? And you're rooting for Pryor? The guy played one fucking game and a couple of plays, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, the kid's got talent. Don't, I'm not going to go against that. But come on, man. Are you saying our offense is more potent with Pryor as number one? Fuck that shit. If we let Palmer go, yeah, we'll take the cap deficit. But are you kidding me? Does 50, at least 50% of the nation want prior to be the fucking quarterback of the Oakland Raiders? No. Jesus. Are you kidding me? Fuck that shit, man. We got a four, over 4,000-yard passer in our hands. Got him tied up for at least a year or two. And we got decent, decent wide receivers. We got a new offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, running the power offense. You know, so, I mean, don't bag on Carson Palmer. He was the highlight of the season. The highlight. Um, Money man, Raider. Man, fuck a prior. That's what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, he showed his shit in the last game of the season when we both didn't have anything to play for. But, you know what? Palmer is the future of the 4,000 yards, bro. 4,000 yards. When was the last time we had a quarterback? You think uh, prior, starting next year, could throw for 4,000 yards? Maybe he could run for 4,000 yards. But that shit ain't going to happen, man. Um, every time I listen to your comments or comments about prior, and I look back at the season, I, I oh, man. I'm nothing against you or anybody else, but it just pisses me off, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's, it's bullshit. Pryor is not Kaepernick. Pryor is not RG3. Pryor is not Luck. Pryor is not Wilson. Okay? He, he's not those guys. I know what you're striving for. I know what we, we're... Well... What you're looking at is, 
Oh my God! Four rookie quarter quarterbacks made the playoffs, and we didn't. Okay, we, yeah, they're all running quarterbacks, by the way, except for you know maybe Luck. But you're looking at four to five quarterbacks who made the playoffs, who are running quarterbacks, and you and we think you know, hey, they're all young, man. They're they're making it. They're making. They're going to the playoffs. You know, um, holy shit! Well, we got we we got prior, we got prior. Maybe we maybe he can go to the playoffs. Maybe he can take us. That fucker is not on our uh, is not on their level by any means. He can't throw the fucking ball. Uh, I feel you though, because I know we got a young quarterback, and all these young quarterbacks are going to the playoffs. I wish we had one of those quarterbacks on our team. But we don't. We don't. Pryor is bullshit. He's the last draft of Al Davis, and I hope we have him next year as a second, you know, as second string. But he is no first string Super Bowl quarterback as Kaepernick is going to be. And by the way, on that, fuck the 49ers, fuck the Patriot Rats. Thank God. Baltimore beat them today. Um, I guess since we're not in the Super Bowl, I got to say, uh, go Baltimore, you know, because, uh, fuck the, fuck, you know, fuck everybody else. We should be in the Super Bowl. And we will be within the next three to four years. Greg Olson, maybe the power run scheme is best for McFadden, and we can break off some shit. Go Raiders. Silver and black, baby. Just one. Well, that was a fantastic rant. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Go Ravens. That's what I say, man. I don't need those guys from across the bay holding up another damn trophy. I don't need to hear six, you know, uh, one for the pinky. How about one for your ass? <laughs> no, thank you. But anyway, the Raiders are moving and shaking. We'll see what happens, man. At least there are changes. We are really, really needing to focus here on our free agency. We need to keep Wheeler. We need to rearrange DHB's contract or whatever. Uh, You know, we got Carson for another season. We're going to have Reese. We're going to have some good players. We're going to have McFadden. Hey, man, we get a couple of stud offensive linemen and a couple of stud defensive linemen and maybe a cornerback. Uh, we'll see. But, man, we got possibilities of moving up. And with the new power blocking scheme, I like it. We need a couple of monsters on the line to push people around. Uh, the Raiders could go in the right direction. Let's just hope and pray. Till the next show, I am Reddit Greg, and I am... Oops.